I'd like to start with prayer, if you would bow with me and pray. Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge that your name is holy. Father, we ask you to glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus, this morning. May we all gain a better understanding of the beauty and the majesty of his love for us. May each one of us understand that you love us through him. Father, protect us from the evil one and sanctify us by the truth, for your word is truth. Holy Spirit, we ask you to illuminate the word of truth in our minds. Make the truth that belongs to Jesus known to us. Lord Jesus, just as glory has come to you through your first disciples, we want glory to come to you from us, your end-of-the-age disciples. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we want to be with you and to see your glory. Come, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. The love of Jesus was not spent when he gave himself on the cross to pay for our sins. Although he could have done so, he does not rest on what he has done for us in the past. His love and the actions that flow from that love continue to this day and will continue throughout eternity. The love Jesus showed us in the past was just the beginning. His loving actions of creating us for himself and saving us by his death on the cross were only acts one and two of a play that will go on forever. The Bible declares Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Since Jesus does not change, his love and care for the sheep that his Father has given him does not change. He said, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We need to get ready to go to heaven to be with Jesus by learning to love him more. Jesus wants us to love him more than we love anyone else. And this includes our closest family members. He said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. This morning we are going to meditate on three ways that Jesus is currently loving us and then think about our response to his love for us. There is a sermon outline in your bulletin if you care to follow. I have also provided a full manuscript of this sermon with all the Bible references included for your personal study. We are going to start with the question, how does Jesus love us in the present? First, Jesus loves us by upholding and sustaining the universe that we live in. In the first chapter of Colossians, the Apostle Paul described the Son God loves like this. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
The writer of Hebrews made a similar statement about Jesus in the first chapter. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Do you realize that the world and everything in it would blow apart and cease to exist the moment Jesus stopped holding them together and sustaining them by his powerful word? Since creating the universe in the beginning, he has been maintaining its existence. The physical universe holds together by his power. Without him, the sun would not come up every morning. There would be no seasons. If he stopped doing what he has been doing since creation, our hearts would stop beating, and we would not even be able to take one more breath. Everything we enjoy about life would instantly be gone if Jesus did not continue to sustain all things every minute of every hour of every day. The Lord says in Isaiah chapter 40, To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Every beautiful sunrise and sunset that we enjoy is a love letter from God written across the sky saying, I love you. The psalmist said, let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look at the heavens and the earth? The one who holds all things together and upholds all things by his powerful word, Jesus is continually demonstrating his love for us by maintaining the orderly existence of the universe we live in and by keeping our bodies alive and functioning. Secondly, Jesus loves us by being the head of his body, the church. Paul taught the Colossian church about the headship of Jesus, saying, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Paul ends a beautiful prayer in praise to God the Father for all the things he has done for us through the Son he loves by saying, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. In chapter 4 of the same letter, we are admonished by the apostle as follows. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body 
joined together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In a healthy human body, the brain controls the operations of the rest of the body. Each body part is supposed to be continually in communication with the brain and responding to the impulses from the brain. The body becomes dysfunctional when it doesn't do what the brain prompts it to do, but instead starts operating on its own. It is the same way in the body of Christ. He is the head of his body and directs the operations of the body. The body of Christ becomes dysfunctional when the members do not do what he prompts them to do through his indwelling Holy Spirit. It is also not right for the members of the body of Christ to start doing things on their own, which Jesus, the head of the body, didn't ask them to do. Whenever you and I as believers are not responding to the direction of Jesus Christ as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have become disobedient to him and our behavior is not pleasing to God. The functioning of the body of Christ can be likened to an orchestra with Jesus being the director. The instruments make different sounds at different times, but they are performing the same musical piece and reading from the same page as they look to the director for cues. Can you imagine what would happen if some of the musicians were reading different music and performing a different piece while they ignored the director? It would sound like random notes that did not fit together with what the rest of the orchestra was doing. As the head of the body, Jesus lovingly directs each one of us for the good of everyone in the body. When we follow his lead in the power of the Holy Spirit, we bring glory to him and to his Father. Third, Jesus loves us by being our good shepherd. In John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus used the symbolism of a shepherd with his sheep to describe his relationship with his followers. This shepherd and sheep analogy is well established in the Old Testament. When Jesus called himself the good shepherd, he was identifying himself with Old Testament passages where the Lord God of Israel was the shepherd of his people. In Isaiah chapter 40, it speaks of the coming of the Messiah of Israel. It says, And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This same chapter gives a beautiful picture of our Lord coming to earth as a powerful but gentle shepherd. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Micah says that the pre-existing Messiah will come to shepherd the flock in the strength of the Lord. This prophecy will be fulfilled at the second coming of Jesus. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. 
Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. The gospel writers in the New Testament confirm that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus has the heart of a shepherd. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus came to do the work of a shepherd, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus cares about the young ones in his flock. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus will determine who belongs in his flock and those who do not. Jesus said about himself, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. In fulfillment to Old Testament prophecy, Jesus, the good shepherd, died for his flock. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of this flock will be scattered. Jesus is also given the title of shepherd in the New Testament epistles. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you for every good thing for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is seen as the lamb and as the shepherd who leads his sheep. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The most extensive teaching in the New Testament about Jesus as our shepherd is in John chapter 10. In an article titled, What are the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John on the Got Questions website, this statement is made. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11, and 14. With this I am statement, Jesus portrays his great love and care. He is the one who willingly protects his flock, even to the point of death, verses 11 and 15. When Jesus called himself the good shepherd, he unmistakably took for himself one of God's titles in the Old Testament. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, 1. 
In the first five verses of John chapter 10, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters the gate by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Then Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. In these verses, Jesus talks about his personal relationship, which he has with each one of his sheep. Each one of his sheep know Jesus, and he knows each one of them. They recognize his voice and follow him. Jesus calls each of them by name, and he leads them out. I don't know much about sheep, but I do know about cows, because I had a small herd of them for about 15 years in Oregon. I had a name for each one of my cows and each one of my calves. I halter trained each one of them when they were weaned so that I could put a rope halter on their heads and lead them around when they got big. I would call my cows when I wanted them to come to me, and they recognized my voice. When I went into the pasture and called them, they would come running up to me to see if I had some grain in a bucket for them. But when strangers went into the pasture, my cows would ignore them or shy away from them. By calling himself the Good Shepherd, Jesus is implying that David wrote Psalm 23 about him. This fits with the trilogy of Messianic Psalms which King David penned. Psalm 22, Messiah as the Lamb of God. Psalm 23, Messiah as the Good Shepherd. Psalm 24, Messiah as King of Glory. John chapter 10 reminds us of Psalm 23, which begins, The Lord is my shepherd. In this psalm, David describes his personal relationship with the Lord. The Lord is King David's own personal shepherd, who constantly is with him and who takes care of him as he goes through life. Applying logic to the scriptural statements, we discover that the Lord Jesus is both David's shepherd and ours. David's, test, David's testimony that Psalm 23 is about Jesus. Jesus is my Lord, read Psalm 110.1. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23.1. Therefore, Jesus is my shepherd. The testimony of Jesus about himself shows that Psalm 23 is about him. I am your Lord, John 13.13. 13. I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11, and 14. Therefore, the Lord is your shepherd. Psalm 23, 1. The testimony of Jesus about his flock shows that Psalm 23 is about him. There is only one flock and one shepherd. John 10, 16. I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11, and 14. Therefore, I am your shepherd 
and David's shepherd. John 10, 11, and 14, and Psalm 23, 1. In verse 11 of John chapter 10, Jesus called himself the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How many shepherds do you know who would die for their sheep? I love my cows and my horses, but not enough to die for them. In verse 14 and 15, Jesus talked about knowing his sheep. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the gospel writers recorded Jesus' ability to read people's thoughts and know what was in their hearts. References are in this document. King David said about the Lord in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Jesus knows what you and I are thinking. And through the Holy Spirit, he puts thoughts in our minds to shine the light of truth on it. He often speaks to us by reminding us of scripture verses or parts of them that apply to the thing that we are thinking about at the moment. When he says things to us that are not direct quotes of scripture, they have the ring of truth and always agree with the written word. Satan also knows the scriptures and can put thoughts into our minds. He twists the scripture by misinterpreting and misapplying it for his own evil purposes. Satan wants to deceive the sheep. He comes to us disguised as an angel of light, so we need to have discernment and not believe every spirit, but test the message in our mind with scripture and with our knowledge of God's character as revealed in his word. Since Satan hates Jesus, and is his arch enemy, we can often detect his voice by noticing that what he says does not put Jesus in his rightful place of love, worship, and obedience in our hearts and lives. Anything that would cause us to neglect the Lord Jesus and reject or deny his teaching or his right to rule in our lives has its source in hell, regardless of how skillfully it is presented to our minds. Jesus knows what you are going to think before you think it, so he can immediately counter your thoughts with truth. The Apostle Paul says that in spiritual warfare, we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. As our good shepherd, Jesus continually demonstrates his love for us by his active involvement in our daily thought life. Let's review what we have talked about so far and think about how we should respond to Jesus loving us in these ways. First, since Jesus is loving us by upholding and sustaining the universe we live in, we should thank him and live our lives to bring him glory. 
Second, since Jesus is loving us by being the head of his body, the church, we should submit to his headship over us and let him direct and correct us. Third, since Jesus is loving us by being our good shepherd, we should do the things that make us good sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, but are we good sheep? You can know that you are a good sheep if you have done the first thing that all good sheep do and are continuing to do the other six things. Number one, you are a good sheep if you enter through the gate into salvation. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. By calling himself the gate for the sheep, Jesus was teaching that people must go through him to become one of his sheep. Only those who enter through Jesus will be saved and gain eternal life. Jesus is the one who gives the right to become children of God to those who receive him and believe in his name. John 1, 10 through 13, John 17, 2. Number two, you are a good sheep if you come to Jesus when he calls you and learn from him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Number three, you are a good sheep if you listen to the shepherd's voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Number four, you are a good sheep if you follow the shepherd and do what he says. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Number five, you are a good sheep if you drink the water the shepherd gives you and eat the food he provides. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The eternal water that Jesus gives is the Holy Spirit. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. I think what Jesus is teaching here is that those who eat the living bread that came down from heaven are those who believe that when Jesus shed his blood and died on the cross, it paid for their sins and purchased eternal salvation for them. 
6. You are a good sheep if you trust the shepherd to protect you from danger and stay calm when threatened. Jesus commanded his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. 7. You are a good sheep if you believe in the shepherd and trust that his promises will come true. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. Jesus loves his sheep so much that he wants to be near them and have them with him. Before physically leaving the earth, he said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Jesus, our good shepherd, will lead us safely home. Let each of us determine that we will always listen to his voice and follow him every way, every step of the way through this life. We are going to close this worship service with a song based on Psalm 23. While the video plays, I want you to think about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is he your good shepherd? Are you one of his good sheep? When the song ends, you are dismissed. And as always, you are welcome to go downstairs for food and fellowship. You may stand and sing along if you wish. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. And I will trust in you alone. And I will trust in you Your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will lead me home. He guides my ways in righteousness. And he I will trust I will in
I will try. 